welcome back to another episode of Behind the Rainbow. I am your host, Elaine Chaya. First of all, make sure you go and follow me on Instagram because I love to hear your DMs and thoughts about each of these episodes after they go up. So I'm going to put my Instagram in the show notes, but it's Elaine Chaya, E-L-A-I-N-E-C-H-A-Y-A. My other thirsty little plugs, please subscribe to this podcast so you can see the episodes when they go up before I post them on my Instagram. Make sure you write me a rating and review, please. Can I get some more ratings and reviews? I don't want to be a thirsty little girl here, but they're really important because the more ratings and reviews I get, the more my podcast will be seen. And these take so much time for me to do. So I really want the bang for the bucks for so many listens for all of these episodes. So please, you guys help me out because I'm really trying to spread really important stories and messages and awesome guests, which is a great segue because today is one of the most awesome guests ever. They're all awesome guests, but I really love this girl, Natty Michelle. She is one of my blogger friends that I've known for years through the blogging world. We've done New York Fashion Week together. We've done South by Southwest and Austin together. We've done it all. And what I love is that she lives in New York and I live in LA and we've been able to stay friends throughout all these years. Well, I'll thank Instagram for that too because we get to see each other's lives and updates through the social media world that we live in. She is such an amazing person both inside and out. The hustle is real. Her photos are awesome, but she has this authentic vibe, which you guys think I'm all about authenticity, but girl, she's been all about that authenticity authenticity for years. So I was like, I need to have you on an episode to share all of your wisdom with all of my podcast listeners and everyone in the world. So we talk about the blogging world and bonding over the struggles that we have being bloggers. But then also she has such amazing stories with her father who passed away, what she's really learned from that. And she's taken on these solo journeys where she's traveled to places like Ireland by herself. And also about, you know, just embracing who you are and the timeline that you have. She's 36 and she talks about how that may be different than where her friends are at at life but she's living and loving her life as it is I just like listen to her talk all day long I actually didn't even want to end the conversation I think we talked for like 30 more minutes after we ended this podcast episode so you will get to know her and love her as much as I do I'm going to put her Instagram her blog and she has a Facebook group that is all the vibes that you guys all need to join I'll put them all in the show notes so make sure you check those out and again make sure you DM me with your thoughts I'd love to hear what you think okay enjoy Right. I know I say I'm always excited about every podcast episode, but I'm like really excited because like you're my IRL real life friend from New York, Nani Michelle. Hello. So I do a little monologue about each guest before we start into the episode. So let me do my little monologue about you. So I've been a blogger for like seven years. I think you've been a little longer than me and we'll get into the whole journey. But from most of my blogging life, we have been friends. And I feel like blogging has been like my graduate school kind of. And so everyone I've met is in my graduate class. One of them is you. From the beginning, we've traveled to Austin together. We've done New York Fashion Week together. We've done so many crazy things. And on top of doing cool bloggery things together, what's really special about you is I really consider you like an actual friend of mine. And it's not just like us taking photos of each other when we see each other, but we really have in-depth conversations. And when I was in New York in May a few months ago, you were like one of the only people that I'm like, I need to see Natty. I just love that even though we're so far apart, you live in New York, I live in LA, we've been able to stay in touch. And of course, we don't see each other quite often and we'll DM each other and comment on each other's photos sometimes, but I just truly feel like you're such a special and amazing person. I only surround myself with the best and I think you do too. And so I just love you so much. And ever since I started this podcast, I was like, I need to have you on an episode because I'm all about hashtag authenticity. This is what my podcast is about. And people are like, this is mind blowing. I can't believe you're being so authentic. And I'm like, girl, Maddie Michelle has been doing this since day one. This is nothing (laughs) for you. So I just really wanted you on to a bonding over blogging stuff because everyone always asks me all these 
these blogging questions. So I thought it'd be really cool. One of my friends, one of my colleagues talking about all the things that we do in our world. But then also, I feel like you have so much great insight that you always share on your Instagram and on your blog about just real life stuff that we'll get into. But I thought you'd be able to give a lot of good insight to people about different topics. Well, first of all, I love you like so much. And I'm so happy that we were able to connect with one another through this crazy industry. Back in, I think, 2015, we've known each other, which is a really long time. And I'm just so happy that you wanted to have me on the podcast and we could have a conversation together. You're amazing. And I just love that you're doing this and more people can see how incredible you are. Just thank you for thinking of me to have me on here. Thanks. I feel like this is like a way for us to get to hang out because I'm like, I need to see you in New York. I'm like, well, that's not happening right this second. So let's just do a Zoom conference and do a podcast episode. No. So, okay. Tell us a little bit for those who don't know you, your journey about how you got to where you are, like where you grew up, what you studied, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, okay. I grew up in a small town in New Jersey called Pagoda and I pretty much lived there my entire life until I was 34. And then I moved to New York City. I've always been a very creative person. So I fell in love with writing. Back in the fifth grade, I was writing children's stories and I was in dance classes on and off from when I was three until I was in college. I was recording music. I was singing. I was pursuing that career as well. So I've just kind of dabbled in all of it and I've always been very creative. And in college, I majored in communications. So I was specializing in journalism and I minored in English. So I honestly thought when I graduated, I would have a career either in writing or broadcast journalism or something like that because I did have a radio show in college, a lot of fun. But life was very different for me after college. I could not find an entry-level position in my industry. Everybody wanted experience. It was really hard for me to break into that world. And an opportunity had come up for me to work in finance, to do sales, which was complete opposite end of the spectrum and definitely not where my heart was at. I had no interest in that at all, but I was at a point in my life where I knew that I had to get a job, I had to pay bills. So I kind of went into it with this mindset of, okay, I'll take this job, I'll save as much as I can, but I'll look for something else. So I was working for Wells Fargo Financial right after I graduated college. This was back in 2006. And I was selling mortgages and doing refinancing. I was doing car loans, credit cards, and helping people with their debt, which is so crazy. I mean, honestly, I was miserable. I hated it. It's not what I wanted to do. Halfway through my time there, I changed positions to be a loan processor. So I was doing all the behind the scenes work for all these loans and mortgages. I was doing all the paperwork. What I thought would have been a temporary job, I ended up being there for almost four years. I was very negative back then. I was miserable. It wasn't what I wanted. My heart wasn't in it, but I felt really stuck at the time. I just had no idea if I left, where would I go? I didn't have another job lined up. So I just felt like I was stuck there. Like I had no other option. May of 2010, suddenly and unexpectedly, my father was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. When they diagnosed him, it had already spread to his liver and to his lymph nodes. And at the exact same time that my father was diagnosed, I kid you not, I found out that they were completely getting rid of the financial division of Wells Fargo back then. They were doing layoffs all across the United States. So I was going to be losing my job, which was difficult, but it was for sure a blessing for me, especially since my dad had just been diagnosed. I was able to be there for him during that time. He passed away three months after his diagnosis. So it was very quick. It was very sudden. And there I was at 26 years old. I just lost my father. I had just lost the only stable job that I had ever known after college. And I was in such a difficult point in my life. I had no idea what my purpose was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was very depressed for a very long time. I was kind of in a dark place emotionally. And at the time I was still pursuing music and I did so until a year after my father passed. And I kind of stopped doing music because my dad was my biggest fan. I can't even explain it. I mean, he'd be getting chemotherapy, telling the nurses to listen to my songs on iTunes. He was so 
proud of me. And it was definitely therapeutic to be able to write music. I did write a song about him after he passed and that was really helpful for me. But something about not having that love and support from him through my musical journey, it just didn't feel the same for me anymore. So I kind of took a little bit of a step back from the music and I created a blog a year later in 2011 as a hobby and as a creative outlet, just a way for me to express myself because I was still really in this place of not having any idea what I was doing in my life. And I remember I was so adamant about not wanting another nine to five job. I mean, I was so miserable working in finance. And because I'm such a creative person, having to sit at a desk from nine to five, is just not me. It's just like not in my personality, not in my DNA. Like I can't do it. So I was very adamant about not getting another normal job again. I started a blog, like I said, as a hobby, as a creative outlet. During that time, I was also doing some freelance stuff, like styling for photo shoots and things like that. I worked part-time at a boutique, never got another nine to five ever again, stayed consistent with my blog. And now here I am eight years later, it's my career. It's brought me to New York City. I kind of went in a full circle in a sense because I went to school for writing, always had that number one love and passion for writing, ended up in finance, but now I'm actually writing again. So it's sort of a crazy but beautiful journey that led me here today. How do you feel, because you've been in this for so long, the shift in the blogging world and then Instagram came out, now TikTok's around and YouTube. A, do you do all of these platforms? Like everyone's like, you need to be on everything. But then also, what do you see as the shift? Because I even feel like with brand partnerships I get and the way that it was, it's just so different now and it's become so much more saturated. So how do you stay relevant? What do you think the shifts have been? Like, are you on everything? I mean, it's changed so much from when I started back in 2011. No one really knew what it was at the time. It was definitely not an industry. It's become its own industry now, influencer marketing, digital marketing. It is oversaturated, but I also do feel there's way more opportunities now than there was back when we both first started. But yeah, it's changed a lot. There's so many different platforms. There's an overwhelming amount of content. I mean, just on Instagram alone, you have pictures on the feed, you have IGTVs, you have Insta stories, you have lives. Now there's TikTok, there's Facebook, there's just so much. We're consuming so much content and at such a fast pace, you have to kind of think now, which maybe we didn't have to years ago, how can you kind of stop people in their tracks to really not just quickly scroll through what you're posting, but to really get them to stop and engage. And I think for me, what I have personally learned is to not focus on the numbers and not focus on what everyone else is doing, but really focus on creating conversation because through that you're able to build genuine connections with people and then once you build those connections you're able to create a community and I think that's what more content creators need to focus on is really building a community not worrying about the number of likes you're getting or the number of followers that you have and also see it's not just a number it represents a person you know and those are people who are following you on your journey and we want to give them content of value and not post just to post I'm not on every platform I'm on TikTok I don't really post a lot of videos I'm still trying to understand TikTok. I'm like, am I too old for TikTok? I feel like you'd be really good on TikTok. I did a singing video on the other the other day, which is kind of scary. I mean, I'm on it. I'm not on YouTube. I think my main platforms are my blog, Instagram, and I recently created a group on Facebook, which I could touch on a little bit later. But I don't think we have to do it all unless you feel that you have a point of view and there's value that you could really give on each specific platform. Don't just do it because everyone else is doing it or because you feel like you have to keep up with the trends of what everyone else is doing. You really just have to focus on what works for you, how you can share your story. If it's authentic to you and you could provide value, then I think, yeah, it's worth kind of trying things out and seeing how it could work for you. But I don't think we necessarily have to do everything because everyone else is doing it. I do see more of an authenticity on Instagram, not with everybody. I think we still need a lot more of it, but I'm seeing more authenticity and more transparency with storytelling and not just with photos, but like within the written copy, within the captions. And I think that we need more of that still.
still for sure. But I love seeing more people just being really open and honest about not just their success, but about their struggles and their insecurities and things like that as well. Because we come to social media, at least for me, I like to follow people that I can relate to. And while I do appreciate editorial content and aspirational photos and things like that, I don't truly connect with that in the way that I can connect with someone's real life journey. Now you say likes and number of followers don't matter, but obviously this is kind of like a twofold for us. This is our business. And I mean, for me, I think my likes have gone significantly down like goodbye. I get like zero likes. Cool. People that we've started with have like quadrupled the amount. And so it gets discouraging Like when I think you and I maybe will put so much time into a caption and the thought and it doesn't get the engagement or the results that you're looking for. How do you navigate through that? And does that discourage you? I mean, I'll be super honest. It has definitely discouraged me throughout the years. Well, when I first started, Instagram was so different, right? So it was really easy to grow very quickly on Instagram. And I had a following pretty quickly the first couple of years. I was getting more likes back then than I am now. In terms of my following, my growth has kind of been very stagnant. I haven't really grown. If anything, I think my numbers kind of gone backwards a bit. My reach and my impressions are so all over the place. So there is a huge inconsistency with the number of likes that I have on my pictures. I really spent so much time getting discouraged and comparing myself to other people. I think it's a natural thing for us as content creators, because as you said, we do put so much effort and time in our heart into what we're creating. When no one's really seeing it, you kind of feel a certain way. But for me, I really had to just get to a point where I needed to stop defining myself and my worth and my work based off the amount of likes I was getting on a picture. And that's when I really tried to start focusing more on creating conversations, building connections, being in my DMs with people. I love when people DM me. I love having conversations. I love sharing more of my life on Instagram stories. And this is also another reason why I created a Facebook group to have like-minded women where we could have conversations about all different sorts of things related to our real life situations. Yeah, every now and then I'll get that feeling of, oh, this photo didn't really do that well. I wish it could have done better. But I don't sit in that feeling like I used to. I might think it for a second and I'd sort of let it go. Yes, it matters because it's our job. And unfortunately, a lot of brands are still really focused on how many impressions are you getting and how many likes are you getting? But I think it's just so much more than that too. And I wish that more people could understand that, especially from a brand, you know? So people always ask me, which is so funny because I don't think with any other profession you get asked this question, how do you make money? I'm like, that's really rude. So what would your answer be? Like, what are the things that you do to keep your business viable? By the way, you guys, we're talking to a celebrity. If you type in poshmark.com, this is the face of Poshmark. Oh my God. I'm always on it. And I'm always like, hey, Natty. Wait, I love that. I've definitely gotten that question a lot. I actually got asked that by a guy one time when he asked what I did. And he's like, you make a living like that. A lot of people still don't really understand what we do, or they don't consider it to be a real job. But influencer marketing is an industry now. It's its own thing. And the way that I try to explain it is brand partnerships is where I make pretty much all of my money. I don't do affiliate links as much as other people. So that's not really how I'm making my income. But it's not just those one off brand partnerships. It's the longer term partnerships. I've had several of those. There's so much more value there for both the brand and the content creator. And there's going to be more money in that as well when you have that longevity of a partnership with a brand. So yeah, I just try to explain that I partner with brands. I create content for them and I share it on my social media platforms. What's the coolest thing you've done? Because you've done a lot of really cool things. Like what's your favorite? Well, speaking of Poshmark, I did a nationwide commercial for them. I filmed that the summer of 2018 and then it aired in the the winter, like January, February of 
2019. So that was the first time I was ever on TV. That was a really cool thing. And you did something for CVS, right? Oh my gosh. See, you remember more than I. So I had partnered with this brand because I wear contacts. It was for eye drops, the brand Alcon. And we did a nationwide campaign. They flew me out to Chicago and I did video content and a photo shoot with them. And then my face was in CVS all over the states was just such a surreal thing it was also weird to walk in there and i was kind of embarrassed you should have done an experiment where you just stood in a cvs all day long one day like next <laughs> to your poster and see if anyone would realize that it was you i love that i should have done that a few years ago you started doing these solo trips can you explain what that's all about what inspired that and kind of the whole journey with that because i can't even freaking travel to a place or live by myself for like five seconds so i'm so impressed that you're able to do this thank you so going back to everything with my father before he passed away he had said that one of his dreams was to go to Ireland he wanted to tour the countryside he wanted to sit in an authentic Irish pub have a pint of Guinness he was just so in love with the culture and he basically asked me he said if I make it through this will you go to Ireland with me and I said absolutely and if you don't make it through I will go for you and that was sort of a promise that I had made to him five years after he passed in 2010 I finally just got inspired to go to Ireland and my sister didn't want to go. I didn't really have any friends who were able to go with me. And I felt like if I don't just go by myself, I don't know if I'm ever going to have this chance to go. So that's pretty much what inspired my first initial trip. So November of 2010, I went to Galway and Dublin. That was my very first time traveling by myself. And it was the most therapeutic and freeing experience that I've ever had in my entire life. I was still carrying a lot of grief with me at that time and a lot of emotions that I hadn't really processed yet. And being there for my father, was just this incredible thing to me. I remember going to the Cliffs of Moher. I was just like hysterically crying, like uncontrollably. I have no idea what came over me. It was just the beauty of where I was and thinking of him and I felt his presence and it was just such a beautiful moment for me. And that really just opened up this whole new world of solo travel. So every year since 2010, I have taken a solo trip by myself. I've only done Europe so far. I would love to do other parts of the world, but so far I've done eight different countries in Europe. My most recent trip was back in September. I went to the Netherlands. I did six nights in Amsterdam with a day trip to Utrecht. And then I went to Brussels and to Bruges. I am a huge advocate for solo travel. I think that everyone should do it at least once in their life. It really takes you out of your comfort zone. And I know that it can seem very intimidating and very scary. For me personally, that desire to go and have that experience outweighs any fear that I might have. It's not that I'm fearless. I mean, I do get a little nervous to go on these trips sometimes because you don't really know what you're walking into. But to be honest, I feel safer going on these trips than I do living alone in New York City sometimes. I mean, that's just the truth. Anything can happen anywhere. Anything can happen right where we live. And there's a whole world out there for us to experience. And I just think we shouldn't waste time sitting around waiting for people to do things with us when we can just go and do it on our own. It's empowering. You learn so much about yourself. And it's just really changed my life in so many different ways. And it's really helped me with my journey with grief and loss and has really shaped me in a lot of ways into the woman that I am today. These are things I would have never done before my dad passed. So in a lot of ways, it blessed me in that sense that I could do all these things on my own. It's interesting. I had another episode with an amazing girl named Samira. You guys have to go listen to that where her mom passed away and it was very tragic. And so we talk about how do you deal with that making something positive? Obviously, no one wants these things to happen. You would 100% choose your dad to be here versus not. Of course. What have you kind of seen, I guess, with the solo traveling, getting to blogging and things like that? 
it's definitely a process. This did not happen overnight for me. And I'm still on this journey of dealing with it. I mean, it doesn't matter how much time has passed. It'll be 10 years this summer, which is crazy. In so many ways, it feels like it just happened. And it is something that I have to carry with me every day, but I've learned to have a better handle on it now than I did years ago. It just showed me so much. You know, I, I worked in finance for four years. I was miserable and I was negative and I was not in a very good place because I wasn't really doing what my heart wanted me to do. That's why I was so adamant about not getting a normal nine to five in an office after my dad passed, because that was a huge wake up call for me. Like this is the one life you have. You really don't know how much time you have. Anything can happen in the blink of an eye, which is extremely scary. And I knew that I just had to go after my dreams. Like I said, it's been a process and it took time and it didn't happen overnight, but it's definitely has inspired me in a lot of ways. And when tragedy happens, it's so hard in that moment to see the blessing. But as I look back on it now, in the craziest way, it did bless me in certain ways. I mean, I guess I would give anything to have my dad here. And it's also a weird thing to think about because if he was still here, I don't know if I'd be living in New York. I don't know if I would have ever taken a solo trip. I don't know if I would have ever started a blog. So the way that everything kind of has transpired in my life and has brought me here, it's so crazy for me to think about. And when you were doing these solo trips, because you are a badass girl, but like, obviously, like, that's hard to like, make yourself do that. How did you get yourself into the mind frame to actually be like, I'm going to go do this. Or like even with blogging, with anything that you do, when you're scared, not many people will maybe go after the things that they want because they're just too scared. So how did you go about that? I honestly threw myself into it. I didn't really allow myself to overthink. That's the funny thing about me. I'm an overthinker. I will overthink everything. I can spend an entire day trying to understand something or figure out the why of something. And there's that quote, overthinking kills creativity, right? So I knew that by overthinking or by being afraid, I was really holding myself back and doing a disservice to myself by not having certain experiences. And I didn't want to give myself the time to overthink anything. I, I did a little bit of research research before my very first trip, but I only planned it two months before I actually went to Ireland. Most people plan their trips to Europe or international months and months in advance, but I didn't want to give myself that much time. I'm also such a spur of the moment, go with the flow kind of person too, which is funny because I overthink, but I'm also very free spirited in a sense as well. Yeah, I kind of just have learned to really push myself and to make sure that I'm putting myself in a position to have an opportunity to really have these different experiences in my life. I think it's so important. A lot of people don't do things because they're so afraid. Fear is very crippling. It's extremely crippling. Again, all that does is it just holds us back from what I think is living our best lives and having all these different experiences for ourselves. Something that I really resonate with you is the concept of timelines, right? And we've talked about this in person. You always post about this. For my 31st birthday, which was in January, I did this whole post, which I did not even want to do about I'm ashamed that I'm 31 because it's not where I thought I would be in life. And the outpour of people that connected with me on this, and I think you even commented or DM'd me about it. And I just feel like you're such a poster child for timelines because you're 36. You just moved to New York when you were 34. You were living at home before. And so you're you're like this unexpected timeline that most people probably aren't on or like don't expect they'd be on at a certain age in time. So how have you gone about for yourself to be okay with where you are in life and feel inspired by it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely discouraging. When I was living at home with my mom, I carried a lot of shame around that. Like people knew that followed me. They knew that I lived with my mom, but I never really openly talked about it because I did kind of carry that shame with me. All of my close friends are married or in serious relationships. They're homeowners, they have babies, or they're trying to get pregnant. I really don't have any close single girlfriends in my life. So I was always comparing my life to their life and my journey to their journey. Here I was still living at home in my 30s, not even having my own apartment yet. I definitely struggled with that a lot. I just got to this point. I can't even really tell you what it was that clicked for me. It really wasn't until I was 33, to be honest. I started seeing it as a blessing. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to live at home in their 30s or to live with a parent. Some of them don't have their parents to live with. So I started seeing it as a blessing that I still had my mom. I was able to live with her. I was able to save a lot of money. And I just had to accept the fact that it was going to happen for me in my own time and I had to stop trying to force something that I wasn't ready for or wasn't my time for it to happen. I didn't get my first apartment until I was 34 and that's when I really opened up about my story and my journey with that and I wrote this huge post on my blog about living at home, not moving out until I was in my mid-30s and the response was amazing. I mean, so many people that still live with their parents that were carrying around all the shame with them. I realized how many people resonated with that and that story and I just like loved that so much. And I'm so happy that I opened up about that. But I live in New York now. I've been living here for two years. It'll be my two year anniversary in April. I am still single. I don't have any kids. And as I said, all my close friends are married or have babies, you know, and it does get difficult sometimes. And dating in New York is not easy. It is not easy at all. And I do want to have a family. I do want to get married. I would love to have that for myself. But I am also content in a way with where I'm at in my life too, because I do get to do things like solo travel and have my own apartment in New York, I just had to get rid of the notion that I needed to have a timeline because of society's expectations or what everyone else thinks that we need to do by a certain age. We really don't. I just heard a story about someone getting married and having a baby in their 40s. I mean, anything is possible this day and age. We're in 2020 now. I'm so happy that I didn't get married when I was in my 20s. And nothing against anyone who has done that. I just know that I wouldn't have really been ready for that. And I wouldn't have been ready to move out before I was 34, even though I wanted it so badly. God knew that that wasn't my time. And I've really just learned to appreciate where I'm at in life because if we spend so much time comparing ourselves to what everyone else has and to what we don't, we forget about our blessings, we forget about our opportunities, and we forget about what we do have in our lives because we're so focused on what everyone else has. I've just learned to let go of the timeline notion and just embrace where I'm at in my life. While I do want those things for myself, I'm kind of also at a place of acceptance of just if by chance it doesn't happen for me, I know that I'll be okay too. And I think we all hopefully will get to that point in our lives where you can just be content with either direction your life will take. Do you use any tactics to kind of keep yourself in a positive mind frame? Because it's very easy to be negative. I have a friend who's like, I'm just going to have to accept that I'm going to be alone forever. I'm like, well, that's not the mind frame that you should live in. Well, no. <laughs> well, honestly, what's really helped me is being vocal about it on my Instagram and in my Facebook group and sharing stories with people and just having these kinds of open and honest conversations. I talk about it with my friends. And back then I would say things like, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. It's never going to happen for me. And they would get so angry with me. You have to stop having that mentality or it is never going to happen. I'm also a believer in being positive And I really do believe in manifesting what you want in your life. And just take this time that you're single and that you're alone to really focus on the relationship that you have with yourself. Self-love is so important. And I have been on this ongoing journey of self-love. I was not a very 
confident person years ago. I had to deal with a lot of things throughout the last almost 10 years of after I lost my dad. So all this time has really allowed me to focus on myself. I know now what I want, what I don't want, what I'm willing to accept, what I'm not willing to accept. And I much rather be in a relationship in my late 30s or early 40s or get married at that point than to have jumped into something when I was younger, when I was unsure of where I was at in my own life. And I just know that I wouldn't have been ready any sooner. I'm ready now and I'm waiting with open arms if it comes, but I'm not waiting either, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're like, I'm ready for you, but you're not like counting down like, hello, it's been 10 minutes. Where are you? (laughs) Yeah. I'm living my best life. I'm trying to. Things aren't perfect. And living in New York is a challenge in itself. Every week, I think there's a new challenge for me to overcome, but I have open arms for when it's ready for me. But I'm also living my life in the meantime, and I'm doing things for myself and just continuing to build on the relationship that I have with me. And I think that's so important for everybody to do. And are there any tactics or tools that you use about self-love that you would give anyone to take and use for themselves? Well, for me, solo travel was such a big thing, but I know not everyone is willing to do that. But take yourself on a date. Go just get a cup of coffee or go and take yourself out to lunch. Go for a walk when it's nice outside. Like Do something for yourself at least once a week, whether it's waking up a little early and you read a couple pages out of a book. Say daily affirmations to yourself. I think it's important to take a little bit of time out every week for self-care every day if you can, but I know everyone's lives are so crazy. Not everyone's really able to do that, but don't forget to take care of you. A lot of times I think we're also focused on taking care of the people in our lives that we forget to make ourselves a priority to, and we can't forget to do that. So for me, it's been solo travel. I'll take myself out to lunch every once in a while, or like I said, go to a cafe and have a cup of coffee. I like to say daily affirmations to myself. I don't do it every day as I would like to, but I try to remember to do that. And if I ever feel a negative thought is creeping in my mind, I try to replace that with something positive. And whenever I feel as though I'm comparing myself to what someone else has and I don't have, I start to count my blessings in my mind of what I have that's going on in my life. That's something amazing that I have for me. I think it's important to remember too that a lot of what we see on social media really is just a highlight reel. And I remember when you did your challenge, the woke up this way challenge that you were, you did. I did that challenge and I loved that so much because I know you really wanted to focus on that message of a lot of what you see on Instagram specifically. It's been filtered and edited and curated in its own way. And while there are a lot of authentic people on the app, not everyone is willing to really open up and be transparent and share what's really going on behind the photo. So it's important to remember that too, that a lot of what you're seeing has been highly edited and curated and it's not always real life, so to speak. So you can't can't really spend all this time comparing what you have and what someone else has. And also, a lot of times when you only see someone's success, it doesn't mean that they haven't struggled. And we don't really know what their behind the scenes looks like. That's important to remember as well. And to go with that, so a game I like to play with my guests since Behind the Rainbow is about being authentic and you share a lot of authenticity. But what's a struggle that you've gone through in the past week or in the past few weeks that you maybe didn't share publicly? And how have you dealt through it? Or how are you dealing through it currently? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, As I said before, living in New York alone, I feel like there's always a different challenge for me every week. And the beginning of the year is usually on the slower side for me with work, to be 100% honest. So work's been a little slow with opportunities coming in. I've struggled a little financially the beginning of this year and kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to (laughs) do if I don't have any new opportunities coming in. And I did write a post recently about what it's really like to live in New York City. I wrote that on my blog 
because I don't think a lot of people really talk about how expensive it really is and how challenging it can be. When work is slow for me, it is definitely stressful. It's something that I do worry about when it happens, but I try to be proactive as well. You know, you can't just sit and wait for opportunities to come to you. You have to take action and pitch yourself as a content creator and things like that. So that's kind of how I've been trying to handle that. But yeah, for sure, it's something that I struggle with more often than I'd like to admit, but it's the joys of living alone in New York City. So you said so many great things. And honestly, I feel like it was meant for me to do this episode with you today because it's Monday right now and it's not going to be Monday when this goes up. But I feel like I needed to start off my morning with some motivation. So everything you've said has really inspired me and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. And so I'm taking notes. If there's one last message and takeaway you want people who are listening to this podcast episode with you to take, what would that be? If you're a content creator, be really intentional about what you're putting out and make sure that you're really providing some sort of value to the people who follow you. And don't just post just to post. And just for anyone else, don't be afraid of things in life. Don't allow fear to hold you back. And I know it's so much easier said than done, but there's so much to experience in this world. And we have to stop holding ourselves back from having these opportunities and these experiences and stop putting yourself on a timeline. Embrace where you are in your life right now. And if you don't have what you're hoping for, it doesn't mean it's not going to come to you. Just be patient and take this time that you have for yourself to really focus on building that relationship within you. And everything else is going to fall into place at some point. I feel like things always have a way of working themselves out. I love it. So the outro that I do is until next time. And I always ask my guests to do that for me. So can you do the honors of saying until next time? Until next time.